0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. We're glad you're, you're here tonight online. We're glad for those who are here, and we welcome you. So um, let's open up in prayer, and then we'll get to work. Okay, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we come before you. We're sitting here in your presence where one or two or three are gathered in your presence. There you are in the midst of us. Even if we're here all alone, you're with us because you live within our hearts. Where there's two or three together, Lord, it's amazing what you do. So, Lord, tonight, we ask your blessing on your word as it goes forth, as we teach from Genesis chapter 15. May you be high and lifted up. May we see beautiful pictures and drawings and illustrations of, of uh, what you were showing Abraham and how it fits in and ties in to us today. So, Lord, today, let your word be blessed Let your people be blessed as they hear your word, and may you receive the glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Um, Again, you're listening to Freedom Church uh, of the Palm Beaches in uh, Lantana, Florida. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. If you're on our website, you obviously are. If you're watching us, you know, um, you can find out all about us, what we're like, what we do, what we believe in. We believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and in this place, it's all about Jesus. It's all about the Holy Spirit and his power, as we can do nothing on our own, but we can do all things through Christ who, who lives in us. So um, so check us out online, and if you, if you want to, you can find out uh, leaders. You can find out you know, uh, the messages that we've had over the many years that we've been here, and you can check them out, listen to any of them. You can donate online, um, so and you can email me if uh, the Lord speaks to you in any special way. At it's here, Here's the email. It's joe at freedomchurchpb.org. joe at freedomchurchpb.org. And uh, that's as simple as it gets. Um, I just want to remind you, during this COVID thing, a lot of churches are down in attendance, but you need to keep supporting your churches. Um, and if anybody's in this church, you should support this church. Um, if you belong to another church and you're listening in, your tithe goes to your church. If you want a special blessing to another church that you might listen to, then that's all a free will uh, or a gift offering. So, so thank you, Lord. The, the gospel is going to go on with or without you. Because God will just send somebody else to meet the need. That's just the way he works. The gospel, the gates of hell, Jesus said, will not prevail against the church. So, you know what? You can leave money out, and God will still get his message out. Matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, in the last times, in the great tribulation, there's going to be an angel flying through the air, preaching the eternal gospel. Maybe that should have been done all along. Not that God's wrong, because he certainly isn't. But, you know, I think the angels could have did a whole lot better job than we're doing. it's time for us to ante up, get serious, and preach the gospel to everyone that we see. For time certainly is running out. I was sitting here praying this week up front, and a little guy popped his head in the door, homeless person, and he just said to me, I just wanted to encourage you and let you know that I'm a believer too, and basically just keep up the good work. And I'm there like, Boy, maybe that's an angel that the Lord sent to me. He turned around, walked out the door, and uh, you know his his pants were full of holes. And you know um, I'm thinking, like you know, God's got His people in all places. You have believers in in the presidency, uh, the last administration. You have you have people that sleep under a bridge, are servants of the Most High God, so that the gospel is preached from from the least to the great. Or the great to the least, I should say So anyway, praise the Lord Um, I do want to open up in prayer for just some There's a lot of people out there that might have some um, flu going on Because the weather changed drastically last week A lot of people got the flu I want to pray for them And uh, I want to, there's a couple needs here we'd like to pray for And then we'll get right into our message There will be no worship tonight Um, um Sunday we hope to see you for worship you can tune in Sunday at 10 a.m. Sunday at 10 a.m. we'll have uh, worship and then Bible study and um, and uh, we'll be glad to have you so tune in and then you can tune back in next Thursday night at seven fifteen. So let's pray real quick and then we'll jump into our message get your Bibles out Genesis chapter 15. Father, today, again, Lord, we come before your throne. Jesus said that in that day, after I'm gone, he said, you'll no longer ask me anything, but you will ask the Father in my name. So, Father, Lord God Almighty, Jehovah sitting on your throne, we come in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus told us to, Lord. We have many needs down here on earth. But first of all, we want to praise you for your magnificent glory. And and the holiness that you are, Lord, the holy God that you are that chose sinners like us to come into your kingdom, Lord God, you're full of grace and mercy and loving kindnesses that are new every morning and great is your faithfulness to Allah, to, to a sinful people that you have cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ for all those who believe. Lord, tonight we praise you in Jesus' name. Lord, tonight we bring some petitions before you. Father, I pray for all the Christian churches around the world that, Lord, that the power of the gospel might come forth. Many people gravitate to eloquent speakers, but Paul said he did not come with persuasive words of wisdom and eloquent eloquent speech, but he came in demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, tonight let your... Your power go out through even the less eloquent of the preachers out there, Lord, that the message would come across and you would you would soften people's hearts and bring them into the kingdom for all the people preaching around the world tonight. To so you be the glory, Lord, and for those things. And Lord, there's some people in this congregation that and have aren't feeling well, Lord God, um, from a simple flu bug to who knows what to the conditions that they might have. And, Lord, we want to lift them up to you. Father God, we at this church believe in the full gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that Isaiah 53.5 tells us that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. We know that Psalm 103, verses 1 through 3 say, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, and delivers your soul from the pit. Lord God, we have many promises from you. We believe that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. So, Father, for those people laying sick in bed, for those people who may be in the hospital, no matter just this church or any other churches, Lord, I pray that you raise them up. And I pray also, Lord, that these believers that might be in the hospital under doctor's care that they might be treated as the people they are which is are which is the saints of the most high god i pray lord god that even they don't know why they're being so nice and why they got so much knowledge about this thing going on in their life but they would under they would somehow say there's something great about this person and maybe they can tell the doc about Jesus and maybe he'll come into the kingdom Lord God Father use your people whether they be under a bridge or in the presidency office or the kingship around the world Lord God use them for your glory Lord God to bring people into the kingdom Lord tonight let it be done Lord raise these people up St. Peter tells us the same thing that Isaiah told us 750 years earlier that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed and by your precious blood we are saved and that's what we do when we take communion we think of your body that was broken for us we think of your blood that was shed for us and Lord we do that at least three times a day every time we take a drink every time we take a bite may we remember you and what what the great, what you, the great God, have done by redeeming us from the pit and putting our feet on solid rock. So I pray for all six, all those sick today. I pray for the lady that grabbed me this afternoon at my meeting and said, Pastor Joe, will you pray for me? I'm having a Caesarean section in three weeks, and this is my fourth child. We have three boys, and now we're going to have a baby girl. Will you pray for me? And I anointed her with oil and prayed for her in the name of Jesus Christ that all would go well and thank the Lord for giving her her little girl. And Lord, and I blessed her and said thank you for the boldness and the courage you had to come out of your office into the lobby to ask Job, me, to pray for you. God bless you in Jesus' name. So protect her, Lord. We give you the glory. Tonight, Lord, bless your word as we study. Bless those people that are sick and raise them up out of their bed of affliction. Raise them out of the valley of the shadow of death and bring them to the pinnacle of faith and courage and strength in you. And may we be like we're going to see Abraham tonight. May you be our shield and our exceedingly great reward. May every believer know that you are our shield and you are our exceedingly great reward. What do we need a mansion on the French Riviera for when you are our exceedingly great reward? Oh, Lord, bless your holy name. We love you, Lord, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul and with all of our strength. Holy Spirit, we cannot do it without you. So strengthen us so that we might keep our praises and our faith strong in Jesus Christ. To you be the glory, Father. Amen and amen. Amen. That's it. We're going to jump right into our Bible study. Thank you. Stay tuned in. Genesis chapter 15. This is God's promises to man, not just Abraham, but to mankind. Listen to it. You know, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Old Testament has shadows of the things to come. God is actually painting a scroll. Painting a scroll. And on that scroll is is all of eternity on that scroll. And right now, we're going to see that the blessings of Abraham are blessings to us today, too. It's a shadow. These are shadows of things to come. And the book of Genesis is loaded with this. We're going to see it as we move along. Because now God is, is exalting and speaking to mankind. He spends one chapter, I've t- said this many times, one chapter on how God created the entire universe. But he spends 49 chapters on mankind. See, mankind is God's creation. And he loves mankind with all of his heart. And he spends the rest of the book of Genesis, 49 out of 50 chapters, on mankind. And we're going to see that as we go along. So we're going to read chapter 15. It's not really that long. It's it's only like um, 19 verses. Okay? I'm going to be reading. I'll, you, I'll read from the uh, New American Standard tonight. This is the New King James. Abraham is promised a son. And we're going to see some details as we move through this chapter. After these things, and I'll explain that as we get into it, the word of the Lord came to Abram. See, so he's not named Abraham just yet. In a vision, saying, "Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great." Let me read that in the New America or the New King James. I am your shield. Abraham or Abram, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Wow. Do you catch that? God is your shield. It's written in the word of God. He's a shield about us. I think it's Psalm thirty verse five and many other places. And he here's what he goes on. Your exceeding great exceedingly great reward. <laughs> Do you realize this, Christian? That as I was open up in prayer, I said, You know, your exceedingly great reward on this earth is not a condo on the French Riviera. It is Jesus Christ Himself. It is God the Father as you enter into, into His presence through His Son Jesus Christ. God is your exceedingly great reward, not the money in the bank that you have. I don't care if you have billions or trillions, I don't care if you're richest chic on the face of the earth. What does it profit a man if he, loses his, he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Man, we, these billionaires and millionaires got to wake up. Wake up. That's why the, little, the widow, she put two mites in the offering, and she gave more than all the rest. All these rich billionaires, they, they give millions into some charities, but it would be like you giving a half of a penny because they got so much money. Oh, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? God is your exceedingly great reward. And it comes through Abram right here. I'll continue in the New King James verse 2. But Abraham said, Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I uh, go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring indeed. One born in my house will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him out. Side and said now toward heaven look towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them and he said to him so shall your descendants be and he believed in the Lord and it was accounted to him for righteousness sound familiar you can find it in Romans you can find it in Habakkuk you know you can find it in Genesis listen he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. You can believe God that he sent his only begotten son and it will be, be, be credited to you as righteousness. Your righteousness is not of your own self. Your righteousness is of Jesus Christ. You could be a Sunday school teacher for 55 years of your, your 90-year-old life. But that doesn't get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is Jesus' righteousness. Not your righteousness. It's written through Isaiah and many other places in the scriptures that your sin is like filthy rags before the Lord. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of our sin, the payment or the paycheck for your sin is death. But thanks be to God, who gives us life through Jesus Christ our Lord, which is the gift of God. And he believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know I will inherit it? So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other side. He did not cut the birds in two, and when the vultures came down, the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Now, when the sun was going down, A deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to his descendants, Then he said that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years, and also the nation whom they serve I will judge afterwards. They shall come out of with great possessions. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came about when the sun went down and it was all was dark that, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between the pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates, the Canaanites, the Kenzanites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gerhashites, and the Jebusites. End of chapter. What's going on in this chapter? God is giving Abraham a reminder of the promises and a special reminder to him right now. Number one, he's going to give him a physical error. Hair. Physical heir. Right now, he's saying there, that Eliezer is 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 the heir because he has no son. Eliezer was born in Abraham's uh, uh, crew, so he was the first inheritance, the firstborn. He Abraham at this point has no son. God's telling him, "I will give you a son." Number two, he's saying an inheritance you're going to have in the land of Canaan. If you look at that last verse, look at this very carefully. Okay? The 19th verse. To your descendants, I have given this land. Listen. From the river of Egypt. You know what that is? The river of Egypt? It's the Nile River. Okay? To the river Euphrates. (laughs) You know where Israel is right now? It's only about 10% of what God has given the Abraham's descendants. Okay? From the River Nile in Egypt all the way up to the River Euphrates, which is in Turkey, I believe. Okay? Listen. From our studies of scriptures, the Jews never got anywhere near that land. If you read Isaiah chapter 6, you will find out that Israel is going to become a stump. And that's what we got right now. Israel's just a little stump, 10% of what God has promised Abram as far as land goes. There's a three-act drama going on in the next several chapters as we go on. Act 1 is this chapter, God's promise to Abram and to mankind. Acts chapter... Acts Act 2 is Genesis 16. Man's sin, his failure against God. We're going to see that. And in chapter 17, we're going to see God's restitution of the promises to man, which is the theme of the whole Bible, which is the theme of the whole Bible, that God blesses man, man sins against God, man gets restored, God restores man. Didn't we kind of see that in the book of Judges? <laughs> you know, Um God blesses man. Man sins against God. God restores man by grace, and isn't that the same today? Today, God blesses man. Man sins. We sin. I I pray, Lord, if I only knew, when I was a child that I was sinning, I would have I would at least tried and been a better a better son, but I didn't know. But then again. I had the original sin that came from Adam and Eve. The original sin. And some pastors even say that the sins of the forefathers do not pass on to the third and fourth generation. Listen, you could be the holiest person in the world and obey all the 613 commandments in the Bible. Not 10, 613, okay? Okay, you could obey them all, but when it it comes to standing before God, you're going to stand there naked And he's going to say, what did you do with the sin you inherited from Adam and Eve? Oh, you're going to go, oh. We inherited sin from our forefathers. And even if we could live a righteous life, it wouldn't be good enough because our forefathers sinned. We're going to see a little bit about justification as we move on in this chapter. So God's picture, all from Adam all the way to today, is a picture of God's amazing grace. Amazing grace. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness towards us. Praise you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Here in verse 1, it says, After these things, what things? Well, we just went through some of them. The War of the Kings... You remember, Abraham conquered four kings that had just conquered five kings. Number two, he rescued Lot in all of that. So we got the War of the Kings. We got, the after these things, after the things of the War of the King, after Lot's rescue, after Abram met El-Malchizedek, who was a picture of the pre-incarnate Christ, as we learn, no father, no mother, no genealogy, had no beginning of days, nor end of days. Abraham gave him 10% of the spoils. He gives Abraham bread and wine. Doesn't this look like somebody you know? His name is Jesus. He is a higher order of of, uh, priesthood. He's the King forever. He's the King of Salem, and Salem means the King of Peace, man. It's, and you can find this in chapter seven of Hebrews also. We studied that. We can't go into it again. But Melchizedek, an interesting character. You know that Jesus was not uh, uh, should not have been a priest because he was a prophet and a king. But he w- he shouldn't have been a priest because he was not from the the. Um, the line of the, the priesthoods in Israel, the Levites. No, he was from the line of Melchizedek, which is a higher order of priesthood. See, the, the, uh, Melchizedek was the highest priest. That was Jesus, okay, and, and the, the Jews come under that. They are the, ma- the lower court, the lower um, court. So we see this, Jesus is the only one in the Scripture that fulfills prophet, priest, and king. And he fulfills his priesthood because he is Melchizedek, which is the office of the priesthood in the kingdom of heaven. I tell everybody, Samuel was not a a king, but he was a prophet and a priest. Saul was a king, I mean, David was a king and a prophet, but he was not a priest. King Hezekiah tried to become priest, make him be a priest and offer sacrifice and incense, and he was struck with leprosy for the rest of his life. King Saul tried to be a priest and tried to outrank, really, Samuel, and Saul lost his kingship and eventually his life, and not only his life, but the life of his sons. This is a, a serious thing. After these things, the War of the Kings, Lot's Rescue, Melchizedek, and also the king of Sodom wanted, wanted to um, give Abraham you know, the, some of the bounty, and Abraham refused because he didn't want any of the booty because sooner or later people would say the king of Sodom saved Abraham. And he said, no, no, the king of kings saved. Saved Abraham, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. This is the fourth time the Lord appeared to Abram, and what does he say? Basically, do not fear or fear not, fear not. What was Abraham fearing? He was fearing that he had no heir to the to his to his uh, family. He had no heir. And he wanted an heir. And he was afraid that he was going to leave. And his possessions would go to Eliezer. We're going to study Eliezer as we move into some later chapters. His name means helper. We're going to see a picture of the Holy Spirit in this man. We're going to see it. And I'll show you that clear pictures as we move along. And we're only in chapter 15. I think that gets into about chapter 25 or so. So anyway. Two things God proclaims himself to be. In verse, I read it, and I studied it a little bit while we were entering into the reading of this chapter. God is talking about he is Abram's shield. He was the one that protected him when he went up against the four kings that defeated the five kings. God was your shield. You know that God's your shield, right? He is your shield. The shield of, it's Proverbs 30, verse 5, a shield to those who trust in him. God is your shield. Church, when the enemy comes, when you get to this the verse here about the vultures, it's a picture of demonic warfare that comes into your life. God's saying, I'm your shield. I'm your shield. You need to take up your shield, which is in Jesus Christ. In times of trouble, which you might be going through right now. Jesus took up his shield in the in the desert when the devil tried to tempt him. He said, it is written, shield of faith in the word of God. That's what he was doing. Then he quoted scripture, which is the sword of the spirit, which sliced that devil up into little pieces. And he went out wagging it with his tail tucked between his legs when he left after Jesus was done. Because Jesus lifted up his shield, took his sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and just sliced that devil right up into pieces he might have come in one piece and left in seven okay and he not only is he your shield but he's your exceedingly great reward he was Abraham's exceedingly great reward listen like I said you could gain this whole world and it will mean nothing on your last breath but if he's your exceedingly great reward you're going to leave all this stuff behind anyhow. So then when you get to the kingdom, you're going to see Jesus face to face. And you're going to go, you are my exceedingly great reward. Look at all this that, that I see in the kingdom of heaven. Don't be surprised when we draw our last breath if the universe just doesn't light up like a beautiful Christmas tree. Right now it's dark and dreary from the sin of mankind and just a few lights in the sky you got the sun which which is the light which S-U-N which is the light and you got the moon which reflects the light it's like you know Jesus is the sun and we are we are the moon that reflects the light of Jesus into the world that's why he said don't put your light under a bushel the moon's out there almost every night, you know, well not every night, but it's out there reflecting the light from the S-U-N. You are put out there to reflect the light of the S-O-N, the Son of God. You know, he is your exceedingly great reward. And when you, when we pass this life and go into the the afterlife, your mouth is going to hit the floor. Just think of that song that was out years ago, I Can Only Imagine. People's hearts, they couldn't get over it. Oh, the beauty, the majesty, the, the glory in that song, in the words. If, will, will, I, will I bow before you? Will, will I jump up and down? Will, will I, I just don't know what I do. Well, you're going you're gonna to see the Lord. You're exceedingly great with the Lord. You're going to see Jesus in all of his glory. The man, the God that you loved all the days of your life. From the day you were born again until now. He is your exceedingly great reward. I know people, good friends of mine that have gone. I know they're getting their reward right about now. You know, and not just just when they died 15 years ago or whatever. They're still getting their reward. It's Jesus. You're going to see him in all his majesty. God himself is Abraham's reward, and he is also your reward and you need nothing else is what the scriptures are are really saying to us abraham begins to doubt god because because he has no he's childless verse 2 but abram said lord god what will you give me seeing i go childless and the heir of my house is eliezer of damascus here notice the word lord is Capital L-O-R-D. That means Adonai. Adonai. And Adonai is the proper name of God. Adonai. And then we see God, which is all capital letters, and it is Elohim. Elohim. How do we come up with the name Yahweh? Because YHVH is, is what the Jews would say because they would not even pronounce the name of God. So we take the A from Adonai, the E from Elohim, and we come up with Yahweh. Y-A for Adonai, H-W-E for Elohim, Yahweh, or you can even say Jehovah, but the ancient custom was if the if the master had no heir the firstborn would be adopted into the family of the servants of his would be adopted into the family and he would inherit the the uh, blessings of abraham but we're going to see eliezer he's going to be sent out by abraham to take a wife for isaac and that is what the holy spirit does today he goes out for the Lord and takes a bride from the world for his son Jesus Christ. Do you see the parallel here? You, know, you can read the scriptures all day long and if you don't see the parallel and the spiritual implications of what the scriptures are saying, Eliezer, his name means helper. He's helper. That's what the Holy Spirit's name. Helper. Yeah, what does the helper do? He's called out by Abram to go out and get a bride for his son. What does the Holy Spirit's job? He's to go out and get a bride for Christ. Oh, beautiful pictures. I don't know about you, but it says chills through my body. Beautiful things in the Word of God. So beautiful. People pass it up because they speed read. i got to read three chapters in Genesis today and two chapters in the New Testament. And they bypass all this beauty. Study. That's why Paul told Timothy, study and show yourself approved unto God. And when you study, you find out these kind of things. Verse 3, he has no offspring. Abraham's really basically accusing God. Well, you You promised a son and I don't have any sons. Sometimes we find ourselves in that place. God made a promise to you eighteen years ago and you say, Where is it? And you discouraged. We even see that in Paul talking to the churches. He says, Don't get discouraged. In the last days there's going to be those coming around saying, Where is the promise of his return? Where is the promise? And discouraging you. Listen, God said he's coming back. The Lord said He's coming back just the way He left in the clouds, and you know what? Paul addresses it in the Scriptures. Listen, if the Lord said He's coming back in the clouds, I don't care what you say or what you believe, Jesus is coming back in the clouds just like He left. Whether you like it or not, you better just bow your heart to the Word of God and believe. This message tough enough for you? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, the Word of God. You think Jesus was a mealy-mouth? He was bold. He said things like, This is the work of God. Believe in me. He said things like, Unless you believe that I am, which is the name of God, you'll die in your sins. <laughs> Jesus was strong. He wasn't no mealy mouth wimp. Listen, he talked to thousands of people at many one, one time. When he fed the 5,000, it was probably more like twelve to 15,000 there with the women or children. You think his voice didn't carry? Whoa. He had, no, he had natural acoustics in the Sea of Galilee coming down on the northern end from the valley and stuff, and being on the water, sound carries. But, you know, he, he didn't have microphones and amplifying systems like we have today. And God says in verse 4, this one will not be your heir. In other words, Eliezer is not going to be your heir. God's already pointing to the fact Eliezer is going to be sent out to get a bride for Isaac. And just the Holy Spirit, who is the helper, you know, is going to be sent out to get a bride for Christ, which is you and I and anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ's death, resurrection for our sins. He said, but one from your own body, from your own loins, he will be your son. It's been eight years since chapter 13 has gone by. Sarah, Abraham's like 85 years old at this point. Sarah's 75 years old. Remember, I told you when they were in Egypt, Sarah was 65 years old and she was a beauty. Uh, some of the women today, they think they're 65 years old or they're too old. Let's, listen, Sarah was 65 years old, and she was a beauty. Abraham had to lie and say, she's my sister, so that the, the, uh, Pharaoh wouldn't kill him because he took his faith and trust out of, of God and put it in flesh. Now, Sarah's 75 years old. There are eight years have gone by since God made him the first promise, and and you know, as well as I do, that Sarah didn't have the baby till she was like 90, 91 years old. And Abraham was 100. So listen, listen. She was good looking. They've been barren for 75 years. Abraham's believed God. It was reckoned to him as righteousness, but he was weakening. He was weakening 13 years prior Sarah gave him Hagar because Ishmael was 13 years old when Isaac was born. They ran out of juice and he jumped into the flesh and so did Sarah jump into the flesh. Odds are getting worse. 85, 75, But with God, odds don't count. Jesus told us with things, with man, it's impossible, but not with God. How did Mary, the mother of Christ, get pregnant? Because she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, not because she had intercourse with some man. The Holy Spirit impregnated her. She be, he, Jean, he was called the Son of Man, yet the Son of God, because the seed of God impregnated Mary without intercourse. With God, all things are possible. Somebody you say, that can't be true. I can tell you right now, doctors could impregnate a woman by putting a sperm in a woman without her having intercourse. They couldn't dream of that back in these days whenever Abraham lived, but today it is possible. But it would never be the Son of God because it would still be a seed of man. Why so many stars? Well, God wanted to teach Abraham a lesson. Abraham Abraham's descendants shall be like the stars. This is an object lesson to, to Abram. He said that your descendants in chapter 13 of Genesis, that your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. Whoa! He said in chapter 15 here that your descendants are going to be as the stars. God knows all the stars by name, says Isaiah forty twenty six and Psalm 147, 4. God knows them all by names. And I know back in Abraham's day, Abram's day, There were no city lights, there were no LED lights out there, there were no Christmas lights out there. When it was dark, it was dark. And those stars in the skies just glowed like a Christmas tree and lit up the whole area. I had an experience like that and I told you many times in Vietnam when I first got there. And you know, no lights anywhere. Maybe the moonlight's shining on the South China Sea. But all oh, of those stars up in the sky, to this very day, it's been 50 years, to this very day, I have never seen anything like that. Imagine in Abraham's day when there's absolutely no lights at all. Man, those stars were glowing, and God's saying, your descendants are going to be like the stars in heaven. Can you count them? And he's only seeing from east to west. He's not seeing what's over here, you know, and over the other side of the earth and all that kind of stuff. Scientists say it's 10 to the 26th power. 10 to the 25th or 26th power as the number of stars in the sky, which they claim is the number of the sands of the sea, which also God addresses, you know, Abraham, you're, you're, your descendants are going to be like the sands of the sea. We know that this is fulfilled today because not only is Abraham's descendants the bloodline of Abram, but it's also the the faith line of Abraham, which would be the believers in the world today. Because Abraham was justified by faith, not his bloodline. So, we see that the stars are amazing. You cannot count 10 to to the 25th power. And if you could figure out what Astronomical numerical equation that is, you're a better person than me. Just take 10 and add 25 zeros and try to find, well, is it million, billion, quadrillion, trillion, whatever comes next, and whatever comes next, and whatever comes next for 25 times. Listen, today you can't count the name, the number of Abraham's children, whether they be the bloodline or the faith line. One of the greatest statements in scriptures is found in, in verse 6 here. And he believed in the Lord, and it was accounted him to righteous, for righteousness. John 6, Jesus said this. This is the work of God that you believe in me. Galatians 3, 6 says this. Even as Abraham believed God, it was counted to him as for righteousness. Romans 4.3 For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted for him for righteousness. Listen. If you believe God that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish and have eternal life it will be accounted to you as righteousness. And you will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven because all your sins will be washed away because you believe in Jesus Christ and that word believe don't take it like oh yeah I believe no big deal I believe I believe the the Burger King sells uh, vanilla milkshakes no believe means adhere to trust in rely on stick to him like glue do you think about him 24 7 365 is he on your heart always are you trying not to sin against him because you love him so much You believe in the Lord and it will be accounted to you for righteousness and your sins will be washed away and you will be able to go into the kingdom of heaven. What would you say when you die, say you died today and you stood before God and God says to you, why should I let you in my kingdom? What would your answer be? What would your answer be? If your answer is something like, um, I've been going to church every day of my life. I'm Catholic. Oh, I'm Protestant. Oh, I'm Me- Methodist. Oh, I'm, I'm uh, uh, you know, Nazarite, you know. Hey, listen. Hey, God don't care what so-called denomination you are. He wants to know what you did with his son Jesus who came, who died, who was buried, and is risen. That's what God wants to know. He don't care. He don't care if you come to church in blue jeans. He don't care if you have tattoos on your arms. You know what? God isn't going to send you to hell because you have a tattoo. God loves you. Read between the lines. God loves you. Actually, Psalm Isaiah 49, I think it's verse 16, says that he has you tattooed on the palms of his hand, your name. Oh, my name's somewhere on God's hands, inscribed there. It says some versions will say tattooed. Listen, God ain't gonna send you to hell because you dyed your hair black when it was gray. God isn't gonna send you to hell because you wear pants, ladies, to church. God's gonna send you to hell for one reason: you rejected Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the only reason you're going to go to hell. So the answer to that question, if you would die today and stand before God, and God says to you, why should I let you into my kingdom? Here's what your answer should be. Because I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and I am made righteous by His precious blood that was shed for me. That's why. I was on a cruise in 1980. Nine, I believe it was with Dr. D. James Kennedy the Coral Ridge Presbyterian pastor the author of Evangelism Explosion I took that course back in the 90's he's the author of Evangelism Explosion I was on a cruise with him to the Bahamas in 1989 and I was sitting in this hall with him there must have been 500 people listening to him talk and he passed out a little square piece of paper about, about this size. He said, write on there what you would say to God to let you, in, in, you into his kingdom. Now, this guy was worldwide renowned. And he passed out that note, and people wrote why they should get into the kingdom of heaven. And they brought him up to D. James Kennedy, and D. James Kennedy just grabbed a couple of them and began to read. And some of them were saying something like this. Um, I've been a Sunday school teacher for 30 years. I teach the little children at church. I give to the Salvation Army. And some people would say what I would have said, because I put my faith in Jesus Christ and He died for me and I love Him and He washed my sins away. Some people said that. But if he read 20 notes, 15 of them were wrong. 15 of the answers were wrong. I was shocked. I'm on a, a cruise with... D. James Kennedy, author of Evangelism Explosion, and he preaches to all these people that they would come on the boat and they didn't even get the message. You gotta get the message, church. You aren't going to heaven because you're so self-righteous. You're going to hell because heaven because Jesus is righteous. Oh my goodness, what has the church happened to the church today? What has happened to us that we would slip so far backwards? God, the Lord told that one of the churches, I believe it's Laodicea, return from, look at how far you have fallen. It's time to remember and return and repent. Oh, church, please do it. It's already written here all the way back in Genesis. Chapter 15, verse 6. Your righteousness comes from God. Your God is, Jesus identified God. Philip said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, show us the Father. This is John chapter 14, verse 8. Listen, Philip's Philip's talking to Jesus. Jesus, show us the Father, and Jesus is there. Oh, I say this so many times in church, and I hope people get it. Jesus is probably there going like, Philip, Philip, Philip. Have I been with you this long and you still don't recognize me? I parted the sea, I cast out demons, I healed the blind, those born blind, I fed the 5,000. The lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the mute speak. I've been with you this long, Philip, and you don't recognize me. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Lord God, for opening my eyes and the eyes of this congregation. Open the eyes of anybody on the other end of this computer, over this camera, that they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears what the Holy Spirit is saying to them today. You know that this verse here, believe, a he believed, you know that's the first time it's written in the Scriptures. In Genesis chapter 15, the word believe is written. You know know that Genesis is the book of firsts, right? First time believe is mentioned in the Bible. And it's accounted to you for righteousness, for him for righteousness. Believe is a pattern for us believers. There's three imputations in Scripture. Adam's sin. Adam and Eve's sin is imputed to mankind. I talked about that a little while ago. Our sin is implanted on Jesus Christ for those who believe. And our unrighteousness is imputed to Jesus. And then he died on the cross, able to pay for the imputed sin of mankind because he was sinless. He was the Son of God. Adam's sin is imputed to man. Man's sin is imputed to Jesus. And Jesus' righteousness is imputed to you who believe. Praise God. You didn't have to do nothing. Just believe. Wow. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Galatians 2.16 says, Man is justified by his belief in Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.16, that's Paul talking. Romans, Paul's talking again. We're, we're righteousness. Because we believe in God's testimony concerning Jesus, we are made righteous. By grace you're saved through faith, Paul tells the Ephesian church. Paul tells Titus that Jesus saved us not on the basis of the deeds you've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. That means you're born again. Renewing by the Holy Spirit. <coughs> and then you got the verse of all all verses. That fulfills the third part. Jesus' righteousness is imputed to man. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to become sin that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're made righteous by Jesus, not by you taught Sunday school for 50 years or you never missed a church Sunday even though it was snowing outside and there was ice all over the roads you're saved by the imputation of believing in Jesus Christ as your lord and your savior and your god and your deliverer and your exceedingly great reward verses 7 through 11 god first reminds abraham that he brought him to canaan he reestablishes his promise and the inheritance in the land of canaan okay and abraham asked for a sign it's okay to ask for a sign sometimes. Did you know that Mary asked uh, the angel, you know, she, she said, uh, how, how would, could this be since I know no man? She just asked a question. She wasn't doubting in faith. She's just wondering, how, how can this be? You know what? Gideon didn't know what to do, so what he do? He threw out a fleece, asked God to put dew on it one morning and do not dew on the next morning, and, and, and it was amazing. God did it. Abraham is is uh, doubting God at this point. God tells Abraham these things. He says, take a three-year-old heifer, take a three-year-old female goat, take a three-year-old uh, ram, and take a turtle dove and young pigeon from the flocks, and it's going to be a pledge of blood, suffering, and sacrifice. And God's going to make a covenant with Abram." A covenant. There's all kind of covenants, well, several covenants in the Bible. One of them is the covenant of blood. This is it here. This is a covenant of blood. There's also a covenant of sandal, okay, which is explained in Ruth. And there's also a covenant of salt. You know, David was, was had a covenant of salt for his kingship. Um, listen. We're to take it from the flock, okay? This is a sacrificial cutting that's going to come up. Abraham asked for a sign, and God's going to give it to him. And God says, separate these pieces, put them on half, and during the night in a dream, he saw a furnace burning and a lamp of, of light walk between the halves. But after he cut them down, the vultures came. You know what? Before you make a covenant with God, boy, the devil's trying to keep you away from that covenant for you to receive Christ as your Savior. Your, your parents are probably saying, if you accept Christ, don't even come into my house anymore. You know, if you accept Christ and you don't want to be a Catholic or a Protestant or a Presbyterian or Methodist no more, you know, then I don't want to have anything to do with you. Nonsense. That's the demonic influence behind the scene. The devil wants as much company as he can get in the place that's prepared for him and his angels. Do you realize that the devil has seen the majesty of God in all of his glory? And he thumbed his nose at God. Unbelievable. You haven't seen God, and you would not do that you haven't seen god and you would say i believe in you jesus come forgive my sins heal me bring life to this 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 world bring new life to me yeah. therefore any man who be in christ he's a new creature the old things are passed away and behold all things become new and again you're born again just like jesus told nicodemus in john chapter 3 you must be born again do not marvel, Nicodemus, that I said, you must be born again. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. So praise God. You're born again. You're born of the spirit. You were already born in the flesh. Now you're born in the spirit if you believe God. The vultures is the enemy. The enemy's going to try to keep you from coming to Christ. I know my parents and my sisters try to keep me, and my brother-in-laws try to keep me from coming to Christ. And God spoke to me. He said, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved and your household. And that was a rhema word to me. I claimed it, and you know what? My household got saved. Took years, but God saved my household. God promises, but the devil's going to try to steal your promise away from you. He puts Abram to a deep sleep. You know, he gives them a, actually, he has a nightmare a horror and great darkness. Um, God, in verse 13, you know, God is going to ratify this covenant, okay, with Abraham. It's going to be an eightfold ratification. He's telling Abraham, you're going to be strangers in a foreign land. He's telling them the future you're going to be strangers in a foreign land you're going to be servant to the foreign people you're going to be afflicted for 400 years judgment will become upon that nation which is Egypt as you well know Abraham would be spared this because he will be gone with his fathers before that Israel will return to Canaan you know Israel would leave Egypt with treasures galore okay so so here you know a lot of skeptics in the Bible say, well, see there's a lie there." We know that we know that uh, uh, the the that the Jews were in Egypt for 430 years because it's written in Ezekiel. Uh, I think it's Ezekiel. Um, 430 years. Um, you see, the Bible's not true. Well, listen. They spent 400 years in Egypt as a slave. They spent 30 years prior to that because Joseph was the second in command in Egypt. So they had 30 years of peace after Joseph was dead. 400 years began before they walked out of Egypt and crossed through the Red Sea. But skeptics will try to tear that up and say, "See, see, the Bible's not true." I'll tell you what. They they are without excuse. Without excuse. The Egyptians will receive judgment, and you well know they did. They crossed over the Red Sea. God caused the mud to come back. By the time the Egyptians' were, whole army was in the middle of the Red Sea, God crashed the waters over them, and they all died. God destroyed the mighty army. He judged the nation of Egypt for keeping his people slaves in Egypt. So God was Abraham's shield and his very great reward, wasn't he? Just like he promised in verse two, God promises that the fourth generation will return, and they did return. It's fulfilled in the scriptures, and why was it fulfilled? The time of the Amorites was not complete yet. The Amorites are the people that lived in the in the land of Canaan, and it was all the ones that were listed in the in the. Uh, Twentieth verse: The Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaimites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gazerites, and the Jebusites were the ones that are Jebusites um, ruled the city of Jerusalem back then. It was all called also called Salem. So God's grace kept the Jews for four hundred and thirty years. This smoking oven and a burning torch. The smoking oven. It's like the pillar of cloud that that they saw in the desert. The Mount Sinai smoke. It's the Shekinah glory of God, this burning torch. And the smoking oven. The pillar of fire. All listen in 2nd and 1st and 2nd Chronicles, 1st Kings. And he passed between it. When God passed between it, it was his signature. Did you know that Abraham didn't have to do anything? A covenant is usually with two people. Abraham didn't have to sign it. You know what this tells me? When God speaks, it's done, whether you believe it or not. You saw those plump bumper stickers out there. I've used this many times at church. It says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No, you know, God said it, that settles it. You can believe it and it might be quickened to you as an answer, but if God said it, it will happen. God's not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should repent. He has spoken, he will do it. Numbers twenty three nineteen. He said it, he'll do it. Jesus said us he's coming back. Don't get weary, don't run out of oil, virgins. Don't run out of oil for your lamps, because Jesus said he's coming back. Many people out there are saying, where's the promise of his return? I can sleep with this prostitute tonight. Jesus ain't coming back. Don't count on it. Don't count on it. He's coming back. And I believe it's sooner than you think, or I think. I hope it's in my lifetime, and I believe it is. Now, that would be unique, huh, for us to be raptured out of here. Wow. Praise God. Praise God. Wow. I don't know about you guys, but I'm all fired up tonight. <laughs> you know, I love the Lord, and He loves me, and He loves you. He loved you so much. How many times? This is about the third or fourth time I told you this. For God so loved the world and He gave His only begotten Son. The world implicates all people that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life and just like genesis 15:2 says he is your exceedingly great reward there is no reward greater Than being able to enter the kingdom of heaven because Jesus Christ is your reward. You know, the greatest drawing card in the kingdom of heaven is not the rainbow over the throne. It's not the lion laying with the lamb and the child playing by the viper's den. Your exceedingly great reward, the drawing card to heaven is none other than Jesus Christ himself. And when you see him in all his glory, and you see the crown, the scars on his forehead from the crown of of thorns, and you see the nail prints in his hand, and you see his sparkling eyes saying to you, without a word, I love you, you're going to know that he certainly is your exceedingly great reward. Receive him tonight with all of your heart, and you shall be saved. And if I never see you here on earth... I will see you in the kingdom of heaven. And we'll all rejoice together at the marriage supper of the Lamb when we are all married to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who came and died and is buried and was risen the third day according to the Scriptures. I love him with all my heart, and I hope you do too. God bless you. Amen. Good night.